0: This is Future Terms from Teach First, a half termly panel event looking at the biggest issues facing schools in disadvantaged areas. Don't forget to subscribe to listen back to each event. But for now, enjoy the episode.
1: Well, I'm hoping everybody is here or coming in and had a lovely day. My name's Claire, Claire Watson Spence, and uh, I am the chair of today's panel. It's absolutely my pleasure to be leading um, this session, the Future Terms session on well-being, and to introduce uh, a brief introduction of these esteemed colleagues who are with me. Uh, firstly, we go to Franca, who is the Assistant Principal at Oasis Academy in Oldham. Uh, who is currently leading science in what is known as one of the most improved academies and schools in the Northwest. Um, It's an inclusive academy. And the focus in the Academy is on students achieving and excelling. So I'm looking forward to hearing a little bit more from that, uh, about that with you um, later, uh, Franca. And we also have uh, the lovely Laura, who is next to her on the, in my box. Um, and she is the Deputy Head, uh, Associate Deputy Head Teacher at Bedford Academy. She's also a uh, the author of the blog on the uh, gov.uk website on the four key ways of supporting staff wellbeing. It's a really insightful journey um, and it's all around that development of post-pandemic wellbeing and the use and the use that your school made of the DFE toolkit to support that journey. So um, we're very lucky to have you here as well with us, Laura. So lovely to see you. And finally, last but not least, Johnny, is the CEO of um, the Educational Alliance, which is based around the Yorkshire area, I believe, Johnny. Um, And is also a national leader and quoted as being a, a firm believer in ethical leadership and keeping schools at the heart of the community. And your Alliance vision is about making schools great, Um, happier and stronger within their communities and and ensuring that people have better lives. So who better than to talk to us today around the issues around well-being within our schools and within our communities. So I would like to come to you first, Laura, if that's all right. Just for an introduction, I've given a a brief overview, but uh, if you want to talk to me and talk to everybody about our Um, about you, your journey, your role, and um, maybe some of the challenges you're facing or have faced. That would be brilliant.
2: Brilliant and um, good afternoon to everybody so basically I actually took on the role as leading on staff wellbeing about two weeks before we went into the pandemic so good timing as always um, but it's something that I'm massively passionate about as a senior leader I feel that it needs to be in the fabric of everything we do so it's not just a bolt-on at the end of the day where we actually do do wellbeing weeks and where we get to have some team building activities but it's about making sure that actually even when we do a learning walk we're looking at the six steps to effective feedback and using the Paul Bambrick model um to make sure that you know you're praising your staff first um and that line management for instance is your nuts and your bolts that you've got um an amazing line manager that's always got well-being in the structure of that so um in terms of what I've done is um I did a blog for the Department for Education and it was four steps of what we look at and the first thing is actually always giving staff a voice. So we have a well-being committee, a workload party um, and we have consultations and then it's driving down a necessary workload. So constantly looking at having um, feedback policies are really, really, you know, amazing that adhere to exam criteria, but that aren't taxing on staff. Um, and of course, professional development so staff well-being i'm very passionate about but cbd is what i wake up for in the morning so everything we do for professional development is based around for instance coaching and shadowing so you know it's free CPD, so we do a lot of shadowing which um, helps career satisfaction which makes your well-being um, amazing and of course utilizing all those amazing tools that are out there um you know and, and Freud, um you've got the education support partnership so utilizing support there um, and um, we've also bedford academy has has created the model policy for um the reduction toolkit um, just making sure that um our staff are happy so i um i do i have read johnny's book and it, I, i'm a firm believer that if you've got those happy staff you've got your happy students and then you're going to get the results so it is it is staff
1: fest um so yeah that's brilliant Laura what what a lovely introduction there
3: thank you for that and Franca over to you hi everyone and um, so um, thinking about uh, uh, my story and a bit about me is is that when i think about staff wellbeing i think about you know me being a mum so i'm a mum of two and i know that i'm at my best when i'm at my best i can be the best mum that i possibly can be and it's really trying to translate that and really think about the staff staffing that we have And we know that nationally there's a crisis in terms of the shortage of teachers. So when we do have teachers in front of us, it's really thinking about how we can protect them as best as we possibly can. And, you know, and Laura spoke about it earlier that when we talk about wellbeing, it's got to be a culture, a way of life, not a Bolton at the end. Oh, let me get you a hot chocolate at the end of the day. It's about what we do day in, day out to make staff feel supported. Because if they feel supported, they'd want to stay in the school. We want to retain good staff. And continuity, it makes a massive difference for the children and the community that we serve. So well-being is definitely, I think the pandemic really has brought that to life, how important that is. Um, and when we think about, um, we've got, as a school, we've got like a well-being charter. And we've also tried to talk about things like protecting our weekends. So even emails limiting email communication so we're talking about at six o'clock you know try and switch off and cut off no more emails after that point so just give people time to switch off from work and have a family life balance as leaders really striving to make sure that you know when we're setting deadlines try not avoid setting deadlines on a monday for instance because you know that if you set it for a monday generally people might be using their weekends to try and you know make those deadlines so really being really considerate about people and knowing that work is just one part of our lives our family is more important and and thinking about how we can marry the two together to make sure that it's a it's a safe and happy space for um staff and um, the other thing that our academy have is to do with our values so we operate on something called a nine habits those are the tr- traits and characteristics that we want to instill with the children so as leaders we need to be seen leading by example and owning and living those habits day in day out and i will speak about that a bit more in terms of the habits Um, But I think generally is is that we will be, you know, deceiving ourselves if we think that, you know, well-being for staff doesn't matter, because it does, because they are the forefront, really, of the drive to providing the best outcome to the children. So we've got to make sure that they feel supported and they're listened to and they're heard so that they can be the best um, they can possibly be in front of the children. And as leaders, we have other responsibilities. So we're not always in front of the class day in, day out like other members of staff are. So wellbeing is massively important um, for us in our academy. That's
1: brilliant, Franka. lovely to hear that. Where were you 30 years ago when I started? <laughs> but it's great that that's all come through and i think you're right when you're saying about pandemic sort of highlighting it there's a lot of research coming out even today about the well-being of of uh, children and the the issues on the pand- from the pandemic for for mental health so really can't wait to hear more from you franca thank you and johnny how about you
0: uh, thank you yes i'm i'm um... I've got the worst second worst job title in the world after investment bank and multi-academy trust CEO. Um, we don't have a great a great reputation, so I always feel like I need to start with an apology. But um uh, I'm I'm responsible for um seven schools at the moment in Yorkshire, four secondaries and three primaries. Um, and we also have a skit. Um and I've made so many mistakes as a school leader. I was an assistant head teacher, deputy head, a head teacher, and now a CEO. And if I could go back um 10 years, I think I would go back and I would stop spending hours and hours and hours in SLT meetings talking about peripheral things like group work versus rows and textbooks and uh worksheets and whether we should build a science block and all the rest of it. And spend as as many hours leadership hours as I possibly could thinking about how do we ensure that we have a good teacher in every classroom because all of the evidence shows that the number one school improvement strategy whatever the context whether you're serving an affluent area a really deprived area or somewhere in between whether it's primary or secondary the best school improvement strategy you can possibly have is a good teacher in every classroom a sudden trust report from 2011 tells us that the Kraft and Pape study from America multiple multiple studies um show us that but we spend too much time as leaders firstly not thinking about how do we recruit and retain but also hopefully inadvertently um but we shouldn't do this at all is 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 accidentally putting barriers in the way for teachers um and ultimately driving them out of the profession so our trust improvement strategy is just a single sentence it's a good teacher in every classroom delivering an excellent curriculum with great systems for behavior and support. And that's it. That's, that's the job. Um, the hard bit when there aren't enough teachers in the system, Jack Worth at NFAR has shown that we've missed our, our primary targets for teacher recruitment last year, as well as the secondary targets, which we knew about, there aren't enough teachers and too many of them are leaving the profession. So absolutely everything that we do as an organization is how do we recruit, how do we retain and how do we train? Frank and Laura have taught really um, clearly about some really specific processes for reducing workload. We've done similar things. We have a workload charter. Everything that we do is on our website if anybody is interested. The other kind of additional bit that I'll I'll add, because I can't, you know, I can't add anything really around workload that hasn't already been said, is the bit around culture. Um, Because we can have, we can reduce workload, we can reduce tasks as much as we want, But if the leadership culture is toxic, um, then staff won't be well and they will leave us. So one of the key lines, probably the key line in our workload charter is we say we start for an assumption of professional trust. And what we mean by that is that too many systems and processes in too many schools have been set up under the assumption that everyone's lazy and doing a bad job and we have to catch them out. Whereas we all know as school leaders that on any given day, 95 to 99% of teachers are doing a really good job. Um, So changing our structures around to say, we assume you're doing a great job. And what we're going to do is we're going to look to see how we can support you to do an even better job. And it's not kind of softly, softly, because we do still tackle underperformance, we do still have capability processes. But what we don't do is we don't have a culture of fear where great teachers are worried that they're going to make one mistake and slip into some kind of process. So that's Really, what we mean about ethical leadership and it's about how do you how do you put the issue of workload reduction into a much bigger context of healthy leadership culture and again both lauren and, and frank have given some really good specific examples of how they do that in in their place so i'm sure i'll say more um during the course of the um of the event tonight but that's kind of the core of what we do
1: that's great and um i'm i'm Claire Watson-Spencer, I'm an achievement partner here at at Teach First. Um, And uh, I was only speaking to somebody this morning about how I've literally gone. uh, I started school when I was three because I think the head teacher took pity on my mum having three children under three. And I was quite a precocious little, I want to come to school. And, and the head teacher said, yeah, yeah, come on in, you can come early. Uh so I've basically been um in school, I think, since I was three, um, never really left. Um, so um I've now been in the the teaching profession, um, so to speak, for 30 years, um, worked, worked my way through um through to headship and um advisory and things and my my role is working on the leading together program so um it's an absolute pleasure to have you all here thinking about this well-being and over over the years i've seen so much change in in that focus on well-being and, and all 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 for the better um and the other thing we have got is obviously a Q and A. We've already got one question come in, so we will look at that towards the end of the session. So thank you very much for for participating. If you wish to put questions in, we would love uh, love to, to to answer those at the end. So we're going to start with really our thinking about ourselves and how we manage our work life balance, because as um, as individuals, we all do it differently. But what is it that maybe you you are considering when you are managing your internal entry and how do you make sure um, that you are within a a space that you can support others to to create um, their well being as well? Because obviously we we know quite often leadership take on other people's worries and woes, and that just adds to our own. So I wondered whether or not. Um, Johnny, I mean, you have um, hundreds of staff members, um, I'm sure that we're all coming to you for the ultimate answers and that support and um, being a CEO, I can imagine is not necessarily, uh, it's like being a head teacher sometimes, it can be a very lonely place to be, because um, who do you go to and how do you manage it? So um, I can only imagine a CEO, that that is a similar situation. So can I come to you first about how you manage your own work life balance?
0: Yeah, thank you. I think I mean I think the word balance is the is the key bit. So I tend not to see it as work life um because work is part of life. Um and also the opposite of life is not work it's death, which is a bit depressing. So for me it's how do how do you achieve balance at work in order that you can then have um you know a healthy um life outside work and and I haven't always got it right and you know my family will will tell you um you know sometimes they kind of think it's all very well you saying that but look at you but I think there's this kind of three key bits to it for me one is that that leaders in English schools carry an awful lot of fear and anxiety with them um you know we've we've got Ofsted, we've got DFE, we've got the SFA, we've got you know the media, the local media, school shaming you, and so on. And so the first thing is basically knowing what not to be afraid of. So when I strip down my my role as as a CEO, I only really have one accountability, and that's to my trust board or to my trust board and my community. Um, what Ofsted think only matters to the extent that what my trust board think of what Ofsted think. Um, so I don't tend to worry too much about Ofsted, about the DFE, about ESFA, um, about being school shamed in the local media, because it's everybody's turn at some point um, about unreasonable parents and so on. And I focus on, you know, I am accountable to my trust board and my community. And if what they what if they want me to lead in this way, and these are the things that they value and we are delivering them then I don't really have to worry about, about the other stuff. I think the second thing is is trying to maintain a sense of perspective. So really thinking about reminding yourself about what your purpose is. You know, are you chasing a knighthood or a damehood? Are you? Do you want to curry favour with the DFE? Do you want to be number one in Progress 8 nationally and tweet about it? Or do you have a higher purpose you know it do you want something better and if it is that you want great schools for the young people that you serve then and you're not worried about the other stuff then you're much like more likely to have a sense of of leadership well-being and and on those really bad days you can then just sit back and say but most of what's happening today in my school or my schools is really really good <laughs> there might be a pile of stuff coming down on me but actually what what i'm bothered about is are the young people who come to our schools safe, well? Are they being well-taught? Are they having good experiences? And on any given day, even the worst days, probably 97 98% of them will be. And then the last one is about surrounding yourself with, with brilliant people who will support you and challenge you and, importantly, make you laugh. I am really, really fortunate. My, my trust team, my team of heads are just superb. I have a team of heads who there's not an ego amongst them. There's no sense of competition they apart from when they play each other at sport when they're an absolute nightmare um and you know and lean on them i don't have all the answers you know during covid there were nights when i went home and i have no idea what tomorrow looks like but somebody somewhere has got an answer and lean on those people and the final bit is is show your vulnerability you know it's okay you don't have to be indestructible as a leader and in fact leaders who have believed in that indestructible model have often either burnt themselves out or have created really toxic cultures. so it's okay as a leader to say i'm struggling um and to lean on people around you and the last bit for me is then making time for some golf you know that's my because i'm a an old man i like playing golf my gp even said to me you need to spend a lot of time outdoors to get vitamin d because it'll make you healthy so what do you like to do to be outdoors i said i like to play golf so i officially have a prescription for golf which i feel very fortunate about
1: i didn't even know you could get one of those i'm not telling my husband just in case he wants one of those prescriptions uh, that's wonderful there's some some fantastic some fantastic thoughts um there especially about being vulnerable i think you know in in leadership we often feel we have to be sort of uh, cyberman you know locked in and I think that's that's a really important point there um uh Laura would you like to sort of add anything there yeah
2: I think self-care is really really important and we have like a monthly well-being newsletter actually where we draw on staffs sort of you know like self-help um tips really in a way um I meditate and that's since the pandemic so I do like the mindfulness in schools project for the students which actually helps me um so I, it is about living in that present moment not you know um overthinking your past and present which I tend to do because I'm a perfectionist um so yeah getting it right for yourself first um I've got two children so you know um you, you have all your um strategies you can do at home to make life easy um and it's I think it's the art of delegation actually it's talent spotting so we have like an expert teacher directory so I know for instance in PE who's the best at questioning in English who's the best at feedback Um, and we sort of like utilize learning walks and book looks see who's getting it right and then that actually acts as a really lovely platform to help like ECTs who you know can struggle with their well-being and workload. So I think if you know where you've got that expertise against the teaching standards, you can signpost people to support because going back to what Johnny said, it's all it is about having that you know quality first teaching in the classroom. But it's also about people sharing um good practice. So I think a lot of it is about talent spotting, knowing where your strengths are. So because you know, we're we're not all experts in every area. I still look at teaching standards and want to get homework better because I know that you know that's somewhere, even um, when you get into you know SLT, you've still got an area that where you're self-reflective. So I think it is about knowing your team, knowing your strength, pulling on that. And um, yeah and prioritization so in my um diary every day I have like the one to four like one that has to be done before I leave to you know um things that actually um could be done at home and stuff like that so having that prioritization list helps and networking so um obviously I've only just gone into deputy headship and like you said it does become more lonely um So I'm doing the MPQH with Teach First and um, we've got little girls WhatsApp group, like all the ladies on the um, MPQH have a WhatsApp group. And, um, you know, that actually really helps Um, and getting into other schools and knowing, oh, gosh, yeah, I thought this was really bad about the school, but actually it's really great. And um, so to get some really real perspective on life, because um, not every day will be the best of days. So um, you've just got to live in that present moment and know that, you know, if you're an ethical leader, And you're doing the best for the staff and students and then you you need to be um you know celebrating that and um yeah
1: that's great and it's a lovely lovely use of that novice expert continuum where your where your you know your experts can help your novices but actually in things like uh the the new research that's coming out quite often your your experts are your your ects Because they actually are being fed all that knowledge, especially about science of learning and cognitive and, and, and often about well-being. They often hold the the key rather than the the people that have been in it
2: as as long as I have.
1: Yeah. 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 Three children I never saw. um, I see more of them now, which is nice. But uh, at 23, they still need you. There's there's the the element of hope. Um, But yeah, you're right. Making sure that you're using the expertise within. It's not always about somebody coming in, say, do this better and do it this way, because actually it's your school your ways uh, and, and developing that way. I think that's that's a really sensible uh, suggestion there, Laura. Thank you for that. And uh, Franca, some lovely suggestions we've heard. What could you add to this?
3: Um, yes, yeah, so there's been some great suggestions so far. Um, I think from my perspective, in terms of managing my own um, wellbeing, it's just some practical things that I've learned to do over time is making sure, number one, no emails on my phone, You know sometimes I have the I remember previously I think all right I'll have it on my phone because then I can look at all the emails and that makes me more organized but actually it makes absolutely no difference whatsoever so taking that off has made a massive difference to me and where I can thinking about the routines building a routine for me I think as a science teacher I like routines and structure so for instance um, on a working day, I might say I'll work Monday to Friday, but then as soon as it gets to Friday, I'm protecting my weekends because I deserve that. And um, so making sure I protect my weekends, planning in activities that I can look forward to with my friends and my loved ones and some of the colleagues from work um, has been really, really um, helpful for me. And um, also one of the things that have been really, really useful has been having a leadership coach. So for for today, for instance, we've had a challenging day, you know, lots of staff off, you know, so having that moment to just have a stop moment with my leadership coach has made a difference to my well-being. And when we talk about stop, we we say the stop stands for S for step back, um, T for think, um, O for options. What are the options? And then P is to proceed or thinking about what actions you're going to take uh, moving forward. So what I always do is, is that no matter how busy my day is, I always plan for moments to just have a stop moment. And whether lots of things are going on, just that stop moment for me makes a difference. And really, at this time of year where, you know, we're getting closer to the end of term, it's like bring on Christmas. It's about thinking about our energy management. So really, because I know that I'm not as effective when I'm tired. So really thinking about... Um, how can i oxygenate myself first so that i can be available for others you know is that that you know when you think about in a plane you know if they say if something goes wrong you put on your oxygen mask first and then you then go and help others so really thinking about energy management and what's really helped me with that is um, dpd so what am i going to do what do i need to park and what can i delegate and i think it's important that element of delegation because as a leader, sometimes when those are things are happening, you want to do it all yourself, you want to fix everything. But actually, if I do not delegate, I'm robbing someone else from developing and robbing them from that opportunities. So really thinking about that um, as I manage my day-to-day being. And I think last of all, I'm a, mom, I'm a mom of two young children. So even if I wanted to work all the hours in the world, it wouldn't even let me do that. So it's about balancing that as well. And it's really nice to remember that no matter how tough my day has been, remember that actually is a privilege doing what I'm doing and when I look around you know the community and the area that we serve it is a privilege doing what I'm doing and I try and remind myself of positive stories of the things that I've had a positive impact in and that really really makes me feel better and Finally, I would say that my faith really helps me to remain hopeful and joyful and the nine habits that we have and our ethos as a school really helps to remind each other of that. And knowing that, you know, I think Johnny talks about being vulnerable is knowing that, you know, having an open, honest conversation, finding a colleague that you can be, you know, you can trust and say, you know what, this is a day that I'm having, you know, offload and then know that you can press the reset button to, to start again. So those are my tips in terms of how I manage my well-being. And, and, and as Johnny said, it's a work in progress. I, I don't think I've ever got it where I said, you know, I've got it 100 percent. Absolutely right. I just know that there are different times of the year where I'm required to work more and different times where I can, you know, pause and just reflect a little bit. So it just depends on the time of year and the, the challenges and demands that my role um, involves at that particular moment in time.
1: Yeah, I think you. I mean, I've never heard of energy oxygenation before, but I'm going to do some now. And 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 when we're doing coaching sessions, we often think about our recovery and how we make our own. What what are our threats? What drives us? And what our recovery is? But often, you know, one of the activities I'll set for 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 group coaching around that would be to book a book a date in the diary tonight with somebody who brings you some recovery and actually when you go and meet with them talk to them you feel that sense of actually I'm doing this for me and I'm meeting up with a friend from school that I'm known for oh, I don't say 40 odd years now because I just makes me feel old but you meet with that person you fall in you drop in You talk about playing netball or hockey, you talk about the kids, you talk about something that's not school, and actually you reconnect. With you as a human, rather than you as that machine in school that's that's busy all the time. So I think just amazing um strategies there from all three of you. I'm just in awe of all those things that you're doing for yourself. Which you know that mindfulness, the the oxygenation, you know that vulnerability, all those things help you to do the jobs that you're doing in school and very successfully. So that's wonderful. So in terms of being a leader in in schools. I'm sure that you are always concerned about the well-being of your staff. Um, so, what sort of strategies we've sort of heard about pillars and policies and and, and things, but what what is it that you do and your schools do to help um, help you manage other people's well-being uh, and support each other? So, we've got these sort of novice experts for CPD do you have the same sort of things for for well-being do you, you know so I'm, I'm very interested in in hearing and I, I appreciate Frankie you were the last to talk but I'm going to put you in first on this one if that's all right
3: um that's fine um so in terms of managing the well-being of staff is number one is really having clear structures in place for line management so no matter how busy things get, really making sure that everybody's had the opportunity to have a line management so that if there's any issues, any pressing issues, they can raise that in that channel. and um, Because often people get really frustrated when they do not have an outlet. So making sure that that's in place um, for staff um the other thing that we do um to support well-being is really saying to staff what are the barriers so what can we do to remove the barriers so that you can go in and just do your day-to-day job so it's almost what can I help how can I help what do I need to do you know how can I you know you know do I need to cover a lesson for you to just give you a moment so really thinking about that servant leadership and yes it's really draining on us as leaders um but you know We, you know, my um, principal always talks about the fact that we make the weather. So, no matter what's going on, we always need to make sure we're joyful and we smile and we wave and making sure the staff feel supported. And the other thing that we always um, encourage staff to do is is that when we we ask you to do something and you feel overwhelmed, is saying, okay, that's fine, but what is it that I can then, you know, park so that that becomes a priority? So I've given you something to do. Is it a priority? Yes, it is. And what can I park so that I can do that and and really achieve that? And one of our habits in, you know, I've been talking about the nine habits, but in our school, the nine habits are patience, self-control, joyful, hopeful, um, humble, compassionate, being considerate and forgiving, and really thinking about how we can demonstrate those habits to one another um, that that really is part of the ethos um of the school in terms of supporting um staff well-being and little things like where we can you know do we need to have a briefing so when we've got a briefing scheduled if there's not nothing really major that we need to say giving people that time to go and do planning you know time everybody wants more time so where we can how can we give you the time to actually do the thing that you do best um um, other things that we've done is where you know we even stuff like sitting together having you know a coffee and lunch together facilitating that so the staff have that opportunity to, to speak to one another because often you work in your bubbles of departments you never get time to see each other so where we can making sure that we're encouraging people to you know have a moment have a time where you can just sit and reflect and do the things that you're passionate about um, and you know what one of the best things about well-being is having a laugh in school so where we can thinking about how we can bring joy so recently we're thinking we've got 12 days you know till the end of school term so thinking about what initiative can we do every single day getting staff involved in it so that we can just have a nice laugh you know because we can't be all too serious all the time You know, um, and then I think the other strategies that we normally have is the things that I do. So I always say to my team, you know, what can you, what can, what do you need to do? What do you need to park? What do you need to delegate? And, you know, when you see people being overwhelmed, is saying, you know what, just come and sit down, just come and sit down. Don't worry about your lesson. Come and sit down and have that moment. And I think as leaders at times, things can get so busy that we forget the power of just listening. So I mean, we encourage each other to just be active listeners. So where you just sit still and just listen and just absorb whatever that person's feeling in that moment because often all they need is just to have that outlet and then they're fine and they can just get on with their day so really being an active listener and always looking and making sure that staff are okay so those are the things that we've you know we're doing you know to encourage well being in our school fantastic we do that for our children all the time don't we
1: and then all of a sudden we think, oh, actually, actually our our staff also need that. So, yeah, some, some lovely suggestions there. Thank you, Franca. Johnny, what about you?
0: Um, I think, I mean, I go back to kind of achieving balance and perspective from the first question is kind of the starting point. Um, then I think it's really, really important that we focus on leadership, well-being and our own well-being. But in order to do that with credibility, we have to demonstrably show that we're serious about tackling that for staff. There's nothing worse. You know, I know of a, of a school where the head appears not to be, he pays lip service to to workload, but not really. And then says, you know, on a Friday night, I don't want anyone to contact me till Monday morning, which is absolutely fine if you've got the credibility because you tackle it for other people, but it's not if you haven't. So being really planned and systematic about how we how we tackle workload and well being for staff, doing it really properly, establishing that culture of professional trust. Um, in our trust, I lead that work, and I think that's really important. I'm the one who meets with staff regularly in schools. I talk to them or ask them about what their real lived experience is in our schools. Um, whenever I go into schools, which is all the time, I make sure that I talk to the caretakers, the lunchtime supervisors, the cleaners, the admin staff, because if you want to really know what the culture of a school is, they're the people to talk to. Um, And then, you know, so so we did all the work around, around workload, you know, and that conversation is really just me saying to people, give me anything that we ask you to do that you don't think has an impact on outcomes for young people, and I will come back. And I will be the one who faces it up. And either I will say, look, we've looked at this. Here's the golden thread. This is how we think that it does. And therefore, that's why we need to keep it. And if I can't show you that, then we'll we'll get rid and we'll abandon. So we did all of that. But then the last kind of round was then sort of going beyond that and saying, right, I have, it's a very, very, very long time since I taught 22 hours out of 25. Um, you know, you're going back a long, long time. And you know, I was talking to some of my my sort of leadership colleagues and saying, we need to actually ask and understand what that day is like when you come in in the morning and you're teaching five periods and you've got a break time duty and you're running a club on a lunchtime. There's a staff meeting after school. And by the way, you've got a five period day tomorrow as well. And your next free period that you can see is Wednesday afternoon. So. Talk to and then getting beyond the kind of narrow confines of institutional school thinking. So we talked to staff and said, you know, what could we do to make your life better? Um and frankly, we didn't have many great ideas because people immediately would have an idea and then go, oh, but you couldn't do that in school. Oh, but you couldn't do that in the school. So breaking down that kind of traditional thinking. So we ended up, I mean, we've done a, a load we've refurbished staff rooms, which sounds a bit, you know. A bit silly, but we've got nice IKEA furniture. We've got rid of all the crockery. We've got proper crockery in, proper coffee. There's an absolute insistence from our staff that it's Yorkshire tea. It has to be Yorkshire tea. Um, I don't know why as Lancastrian. Um, but then I, 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 a, a really silly little one. Loads and loads of staff said, look, we you know, we do all our shopping online. We full, We work full-time. We do all our stuff shopping online. I've got a, one of those post people who won't leave it where I ask. And i'm forever having to spend all my time at home traipsing off around town looking for the where my parcels are and all the rest of it and if i buy something that doesn't fit and i need to send it back i can't do it till saturday and then it's a nightmare and i forget and then it's and this was a genuine cause of stress and annoyance for a lot of our staff so we just introduced a parcel delivery and drop-off service you know so we basically said look bring any parcel you want we'll take it to the post office for you and um, get stuff delivered to school we'll have a drop-off point near us and it's just daft stuff like that. You do all of that, then people will not resent you when you say, yeah, but I've also got to think about myself. I've got to think about my own needs. I've got to think about my um, my leadership needs. And then final one, something that, that Frank said there, that that thing around kind of a coach or peer support or all the rest of it. Um, I've got a group of eight or nine CEOs, <laughs> CEO friends, and, um, it sounds really dreadful but they're they're lovely and we just have a whatsapp group and you know we look after each other and it can be professional it can be you know has anyone got a policy on this or has anybody done this piece of work before everybody falls to help each other out or you know it can just be like i'm having a really bad couple of weeks and i don't know who to talk to um and then your phone starts ringing and they're all you know on the phone so that peer support i think is really really important
1: I think you're so right with all of those, all of those points there. And that peer support is, is more important than you, than you think, isn't it? And, um, and, and, you know, that, that feeling again, going back to that vulnerability, it, you ha- you really have to dig deep to admit that you are not doing the best job that you need to be doing or that something's in your way and
0: actually. Can but I just come the... back in on one more thing, just on Laura. Because yeah, it just reminded me that I used to, I'm not saying whether I still do this or not, but I've got my to-do list. <laughs> then you end up doing loads of things that weren't on your list. Um, so writing them at the bottom and cross them off. Mm. You feel better. I do that all the time. I might not have done my list, but I've done loads of stuff and I've got loads of crossings. Anyway, it's a sad yeah. little thing, but.
1: Well, it's that three three great things to be things th- three things to be grateful for. I mean, I, I have the app on my phone and it comes on at nine o'clock at night every night, and I never type into it, but I always think about those three things. And sometimes they're work related and sometimes they're just home related and something wonderful has happened or, or you know the the dogs have actually got out for the toilet rather than using the conservatory, which is always a positive. Um, you know, those sort of things, just the little things that you remember and you you keep in your mind that that, that these things have happened today and they they're good, they're good, they're good things. So Laura anything further to add to our conversation here
2: yeah, it's all been so amazing but it is all about the staff voice as well isn't it we hear a lot about student voice but it is that the staff voice and the two simple words that is about time and talk really um so we have like three areas and um, we've got a staff well-being committee um so it's from different department areas so there are people you know, that are in the kitchen, people from facilities. So we have this committee and we actually do plan um, well-being weeks every term. So we've had like staff golf and a curry and chat. Tea and talk, you know, like bake-offs and stuff to have a laugh because it is good. Um, and you, even in the pandemic, we did a lot of that. So we did like a bake-off online, we did um an art class where we all like drew pictures of ourselves, like um on Teams. So there's a lot you can do. And what really hit me was when um a lady said to me, Do you know what? When we have that like little tea and talk on Teams every Friday at eleven o'clock. It, it it got me through the pandemic i said what because you know she was on her own at home and it was lovely actually because during the pandemic one day we'd have 20 people coming and like all our kids would be like climbing all off on us and everything and then but sometimes there'd just be two of us and we would just literally talk and listen to each other and that is so so powerful although it sounds so simple so although it could seem like a bit of a bolt-on these well-being weeks every term actually really work um so we get different people leading on them and it's just a nice way to see people from different departments so the, the well-being committee sort of organize them we've also got like a workload group so every term i get a cross-section of staff at random um and we just fill in the dfe workload survey and um, just to touch base on how we're doing um as a school Um so we do that as well and then we have consultations so i know you all know our amazing head teacher christella um where we, um, touch base with staff they pick the six areas and we just consult on that and the power of a survey um I think surveys are really good because people come out with a bit more than they might do in person so every year we do like the offset type survey and then what I've just introduced um this year actually is I look at the outstanding criteria so the different areas so for instance quality of education behavior and attitudes and what I've done is I've created a self-assess type questionnaire linked to the outstanding criteria of Ofsted um, just to touch base with how staff are feeling against you know like our big old framework Um, and that's not for Ofsted that's for just to check in, you know, that obviously it's a really good framework there. Um, so just to check in on how staff are doing against that, but it's in a self-assessed type way. So that's something I've designed this year. Um, so just, yeah, all about the staff voice, listening and uh, having chances to talk. But um, yeah, I really like um, the idea about what you said about the whole um, stop uh, where you, you know, have times like that in the day. So that's something we definitely we'll
1: introduce in our school. Um, Fantastic. And of course, this session today is all about sharing our ideas. And I've never met a teacher or a leader who hasn't stolen something from someone else to make things better. And I think that's the whole nature of our profession is the fact that we see something, we, we grasp it, we do it, and we uh, and we take it and adapt it to our children, our, our schools and our communities. And I think that's, that's the real beauty about that openness and that sharing. So in terms of when we when we come across um teachers and staff who are maybe um struggling and uh, and having having some difficulties in 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 managing well obviously we have our sort of our our importance of well-being from our our trustees our governors our our senior leadership but obviously there is that element of um leadership that pushes us a little bit into fixing rather than self-care self, self care and, and, and developing resilience and a lot of leaders that I come across struggle a little bit sometimes with you know you you want to help you want to give you want to do for because that's what we are we're a caring profession that that does and um, so how how do you as a school and a staff and and maybe as a person manage that sort of developing resilience with your with your team against that um providing sort of the answers or fixing fixing problems do you do you find that easy do you find that a challenge or do you feel that you have everything in place to to make that um that that work so i wondered whether or not um laura you might start with us on that one
2: yeah it is hard isn't it you just want to go in and offer them the solution um, we have got a great assistant head teacher at our school and we've started um looking at, well doing coaching through the GROW model so that because it actually gives them a lot of power doesn't it if they feel that they've arrived at the solution themselves so yeah it is it's with wellbeing it has to start um with the individual as you know as well obviously that people need external support as well but um yes yeah, so you've got to make sure that they're resilient as well so coaching is a great way to do that and of course there's different forms of coaching so there's at the moment we're doing like the specialist coaching um but we are going to look at um doing some co-coaching um and you know some like triad work um where with the walkthrough books
1: um but yeah brilliant super um and uh franca how about
3: you I I think that at times I do have a tendency to just, you know, jump in and fix things and make things better. Um, But recently when I was having a conversation with my coach, you know, what really resonated with me was talking about the fact that when you try and jump in and fix things, you're robbing that person the opportunity to actually develop And so when I think about it now, so rather than, you know, my instincts of jumping in, it's really thinking about actually this is an opportunity for that staff member to really develop with my support. So, you know, and we talked about, you know, a four stage approach where, you know, you say to them, you know, in our relationship as, as we're developing, there might be stages where I'm telling you what to do. There might also be stages where I'm just providing you with support or I'm coaching you. Where in this grid do you think that you're at right now? You know, so you have that mutual understanding so that they know in in either way that at some stages you're going to be supporting them or some sometimes you need to tell them. And so in terms of building their resilience, it's really thinking about that and thinking about, right, when do I need to step in? Or actually, when can I just allow them to to, you know, carry on? to steer them in the right direction but ultimately they're accountable Mm. and and it's like even I I always go back to the analogy of having a child you know when do you allow them to make their own mistakes in a safe manner but you sometimes you need to let people to fail because then they learn from that and so when I think about that it's about not robbing people the opportunity to to develop yeah. And that's the major one in terms of them, um, you know developing um resilient, but also celebrating successes as well. So when they've been through the struggles and the challenges and they've gone to the other side, really celebrating them and championing them and saying, you know, look, you didn't think you could make it, but look at how how much you've you've come on, leaps and bound, how much you've you know achieved. So really celebrating the successes as well, and um, to help them, you know, really own their decisions. And also is that whole idea of distributed leadership. I don't have the answers to everything. So actually, it's really important to empower other people. And in that way, when they you know, when you empower other people, people just really surprise you. Even the staff members that are always quiet, you know, they, they really, really shine. And giving that other people the opportunity to shine um, is really important in the, in the process of, um, you know, building resilience. I think that they're, they're they're fantastic ideas and and uh, a great way of
1: using your leadership skills to to develop others. So, Johnny, what would you say to that?
0: Um, I, think I agree with everything that, that's being said there. I think um, I've not used these words, but I think I might do af- as of tomorrow. Um, that that I and and we as leaders will do the policy stuff. So you bring stuff that needs to change and will change the policy, but you have responsibility for how you behave towards yourself and towards others. So, you know, specific examples um, through listening to staff, we got rid of three-target performance management, we got rid of performance-related pay, we've got rid of threshold and onerous application processes and convoluted pay decisions, um, mainly because I was bored of them. Um, But it was occupying a huge amount of time, for no real benefit at all. We saw no link between that and raising standards. So that's stuff that, you know, a a third-year teacher can't do. But what a third-year teacher can do um, is behave well towards themselves and behave well towards others. A lot of the stress, anxiety, and poor well-being in schools comes from interactions of adults to adults, and that can be leaders to staff, but it can also be staff to each other, or indeed it can be staff being horrible to leaders because we are – human after all um so things that you know things like um you know we changed the policy to say you can absolutely must go to your child's nativity but we say the starting point in terms of cover needs to be can you sort it out in your department between yourselves can you help each other out and if you genuinely can't because out not enough people then we'll get cover um so don't you know don't trip that good policy up by being mean-spirited about it or you know, whinging because people are allowed to take their PPA at home, and you happen not to be free on a Friday. You know that's unfair. Well, yeah, life's unfair, but the alternative is we imprison everybody um, on site, or we now pay for everybody's repeat prescriptions. Um, so if somebody's on antidepressants or HRT or or asthma inhalers, we pay for the annual certificate. Um, we ask people not to whinge that they're missing out on 120 pounds if they don't happen, if they're lucky enough not to be on medication. But it's amazing. You know, when we when we got rid of two-year progression at, at Upper paceline and made it annual, we had a member of staff who came in tears and said, that's not fair. I had to wait two years. They should have to wait two years, you know. So that, that toxicity doesn't always just come from leaders. So so really just saying, you know, you take responsibility. And, and the you know, the final bit is how often when you talk to staff about workload – and they're talking about things that they're doing that nobody is asking them to do. And I don't want them to do, you know, so over overmarking and all the rest of it. I can't save you from yourself as an adult. You know, you have to make sensible choices. Our marking policy does not require you to be marking every week. If you choose to do that, I can't save you from yourself. I can just urge you not to.
1: I, I think you're so right there. You know, we have got a responsibility to, for self care and for looking after ourselves. And I think in that resilience and um, uh, and sort of the fixing, we have got that responsibility to to develop and grow that resilience in our leaders as and when we can. And I think, yeah, you're right about the. Um, you know, people will see the unfairness in anything. I think Johnny, when when you're in leaders, you know, they, they will see that. But we have had a question come in from Lynn who who sort of says that she um that they've seen anecdotally on social media so many stories of seemingly poor leadership impacting on teacher well-being. Um, and asks about how important leadership training is for SLT in the aims of sustaining high levels of teacher well-being, how can we make uh, principles ubiquitous in this profession? So I wondered whether or not in 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 ways of answering that, we can talk about maybe our our top three things um, that we might say uh, in, in in terms of what your legacy might be on well-being, but the top three things that you might, advise went into training or when you when you have new leaders coming through what three things might you say are the top three things that they need to to do develop be aware of in terms of ensuring in uh, the well-being so in terms of the things that you've done in your your own schools in, in terms of your legacy what top three things maybe would you would you choose to pass on and I think that would answer uh lynn's lynn's question there in terms of you know what what training do do people need and what is it that you've done that's made a difference uh and that can pass on and carry on through uh when when you're not even there what 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 would be there so um i'm wondering if we went to, to johnny first could i ask you to to answer this one first johnny
0: yeah, I think in, in answer, it's a really good question. And I think you can have leadership training, but you can only have that if you've got something, a set of principles or behaviours to train around. So absolute number one, probably number one, two, three, um, is ha- have an ethical leadership framework or leadership behaviour expectations. We've got a really clear framework. Um, and you can, there, with that, you can then recruit around it. You can develop around it. You can have performance development conversations around it. You can have training around it. And, you know, the training can be just down to kindness is one of ours. Um, you can spend hours having great conversations in groups about, you know, what does that actually mean on the ground? what And talking about, you know, what behaviors does that preclude and what behaviors does it require? So I think tra- kind of generic training around leading well will fail unless there is a framework um to do it around and I think you know that that for me is the is the key bit I won't get on to the legacy bit yet <laughs> but I'll stop there and let the others. that's out.
1: lovely I know I'm, I'm aware that we have five minutes so Laura what would you say yeah I'm
2: not mute um so firstly I would um sign up to the DFE Wellbeing charter um because there's 11 points there that will help you like help leaders as well what's going on so i think that chart is a really good um like starting place and again back to the nuts and bolts line management so we have clear questions actually obviously we don't always adhere to them but we have like a framework for great line management and tips of what that looks like um and just being really evidence-informed, so um, make sure that there's potentially a wellbeing working party, workload, staff wellbeing committee groups. So lots of like spaces where you actually can talk about wellbeing. Um, So I actually think it is good to sometimes talk about wellbeing. Um, I know other educators might disagree, but um, yeah, and just always sort of looking at the research that's out there. There is so much out there now, like um, I'm always going on place to be, Anna Freud um you know there is a lot of um stuff there that we can get and just making sure that people are exposed to that um
1: information um yeah thanks wonderful and and things like um a lot of schools I'm working with are using audible as a um as a vehicle because uh, they're they're not necessarily in the time space continuum to have books on the go, especially with young children, where you may have to supersede a role doll um, with with a, a an educational on Freud. But you can you know listen and 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 absorb things while you're driving in and out of work, and and things like the Andy Cope books I found have been quite good. Um, the art of being brilliant and being brilliant every day. Sort of sets you up for a for a good day ahead because they make you think of all those those great things that that happen.
3: Franca, what would you say? Um, oh, trying to narrow it down. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it's interesting when you asked that question. I was I was just making some notes, and the words that came to mind was um, thinking about relationships. So that's from student level, staff level. Really thinking about how you can foster positive relationships. Um, I've also got down simplifying systems. Do, do the systems need to be complicated? Simplify the system so that every it makes it easier for everybody to understand, because when there's a lack of understanding, you know, things just fall apart and it's not down to people not wanting to do them just because the systems are very complicated. And it's about think, removing barriers. Is whatever we, we we've said that we're going to do, is that making a difference to that child? Is that going to make that child a better individual is that going to promote a better outcome for them if it's not then why are we investing time and energy on that Mm. and lastly to think about the ethos of the school and you know making sure that as a leader you remove the ego you know there's always opportunities to learn from everyone even from the students from the cleaners from anybody you know that opportunity to learn so removing our egos and knowing and, and really being open and active listeners and wanting to be better for ourselves for our school and then I thought I'll end with you know the ethos that we operate on um, as a school which talks about a passion to include talks Mm -hmm. about a desire to treat people equally respecting differences a commitment to healthy and open relationships a deep sense of hope that things can change and be transformed and things will get better Mm -hmm. and a sense of perseverance to keep going from the long haul because ultimately we we want our children to achieve their God-given potential so I think that when you have an ethos that people buy into all of those things will fall into place.
1: That is such an amazing place to end and I don't really want to end it because I think we're, we're getting into some territories that are just amazing listening to your your development your your what you're doing in schools i think um we've been very very fortunate to have the three of you here today to share your expertise with us um, and and all those fantastic ideas. And I love the fact that Johnny's already got some ideas to take back. And I'm sure I have too for for the work that I'm doing. And I just need to say, uh, Johnny, Franca and Laura, you are absolutely brilliant. Thank you for giving your time today to discuss this with with together with us and with our um, and our our audience, so to speak, are the participants that we can't see because they're in the in the invisible ether. But again, thank you so much, and thank you to Kerry for organising it all as well. I know she's sort of uh, uh, off screen at the minute, but we can't do these sort of things without these people. So thank you again, and I'm sure I think your Twitter handle Johnny is on the future terms, and uh, I think Laura Frank, are you tweeters? Yeah. Yes. So um, we can catch up with you. And if there are any further questions, um, it would be lovely for for people to be able to, if that's okay, to reach out to you on those. But um, I will sign off. We are 5.01. I was nearly, nearly there at five o'clock, but uh, I've so enjoyed listening to you. And thank you ever so much and have a lovely, lovely rest of evening and a great Christmas. Last one before Christmas. Happy
3: Christmas. Thank you.
0: Thanks for listening to Future Terms from Teach First. We'll be back soon with another event. To find out more and to attend, visit teachfirst.org.uk forward slash future terms.